Hello, everyone. This is Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister, the Disrupt Meister. Welcome to This Week in Bitcoin, Super Spreading Bitcoin 2022. Today is March the 23rd of 2022 strong hand long-term thinking innovation over interference personal responsibility is the new counterculture strong hand buy and hold golden age of the 2020s bitcoin is the next bitcoin don't fomo and alts we'll actually talk about that a little bit today this is where the big boys play i'm offended by selling best freaking guest in the space hello my elite friends we are here on a wednesday because i'm gonna be in oklahoma city for a great event this weekend we got two great guests here today they're so great we didn't need three btc sessions makes his return bob simon makes his freaking debut he's up 21 million uh, TV. I'm really excited about Bitcoin uh, Miami 2022. Use the Adam 10 discount code to get a 10% uh, discount. Tickets are going fast. I will do the official promo later in the show. You know how it flows, baby. But it's because of them that I even do the This Week in Bitcoin show still. So Bitcoin Magazine, thank you very much. We are just looking forward to April 6th to 9th in Miami, and all these dudes will talk about it with me uh, later on. But, uh, for, and of course, I mentioned this weekend, Bitcoin Day, Oklahoma City, Saturday, buy the tickets below. So I'll talk a little bit about that. Adam 10 discount code. We'll talk about that some more. But yeah, send a super chat if you got questions. We've got answers for you. And so I've got a big question uh, for uh, BTC Sessions. Well, first of all, I got a big statement. This dude is freaking awesome. What he did with the, with the truckers in Canada, raising funds for them, putting it all on the line. You know, his real name is Ben. I'm not going to say his last name, but even though it's public and everything. It, he's out there. Everybody knew that this Ben dude is a real dude is from Calgary, Canada, associated with this, you know, I mean, something that's being vilified world freaking wide. He had a strong hand commitment, conviction to it. And did it go perfectly? No, it didn't go perfectly. Lessons were learned. I think um, it, it was just grew so much bigger than uh, expected. It so far for me, it really was the biggest Bitcoin story of the year. It, it it showed that yeah, you know, people might be hated on, but you can get funds. Okay, now there there were some lessons on how the funds should be uh, distributed, and you know, central points of failure individual accountability, uh, individuals. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't have revealed my real name and everything like that. I think that might have been one of the lessons to all this too, because eventually they w- they came for, um, for what's his face? Uh, well, you'll explain what happened, uh, BTC, Benny. Give, give us a summary of lessons learned. Um, looking back, uh, there were a number of factors that, that kind of came into play. Number one was the initial expectation of setting up the the fundraiser and the the tally coin page and everything um i some people may remember the initial goal of of the fundraiser was 0.1 bitcoin 10 million sats which is like you know four four and a half grand uh so that was the initial like oh maybe there'll be some donations and some gas cards could be uh bought 
Um, so there, there was that. It grew, obviously, much larger and much faster than ever imagined. Uh, number two was was the curveballs of of how the government response, right? Um, number one, we saw GoFundMe uh, basically frozen. Um, and then later on problems with Gibson go, um, which was unexpected, which shone a further spotlight on, on the Bitcoin part of the fundraiser, which I'm sure caused, uh, like that influx of donations as well. Um, and then there was the emergencies act, which basically the government was able to do whatever the hell they wanted. We saw bank accounts frozen. We saw a whole bunch of different crazy things happen. Um, there was also ongoing, and I probably can't talk too much about it, but I think there's there's uh, there's a, basically a lawsuit happening um, that was uh, filed by a couple residents of Ottawa and a business in Ottawa against any fundraising that, that happened um, and people that distributed it. Uh, if that's my understanding, possibly. Um, and then on top of that, because of those early, because of the surprises of those early factors, proper privacy was not observed. Best practices were not observed. Things like a single static address. If it's, you know, if, if it's a, a few people given $50 donations and some gas cards are bought, then, you know, you would assume that a single static address, while not the best, is not incredibly detrimental. All of a sudden, when it's one one millionth of all Bitcoin that will ever be created donated to a single cause, uh, it becomes an issue. Privacy becomes an important issue. And so part of that was TallyCoin, regardless of whether you provide an XPUB or not, it will cre uh, basically no matter what, use a single address for every don for not every donation, but every uh, individual fundraiser. So when you start a fundraiser, no matter what, even if you upload an XPUB, as it is now, it's one address uh, for the whole fundraiser. Um, and so that was just a, a you know how how the site went. Unfortunately, I was unfamiliar with how to use BTC Pay server, um, which could have created a new address every single time. Um, I will say that TallyCoin does have PayNIMS enabled, which also I was unfamiliar with at the time, but that could have been an excellent, um, better privacy uh, privacy preserving resource, though not as many people use it now uh, yet. Um, and then, you know, and then there's Lightning. And then I guess that's less of a, less of a, a kind of, open book for, for the world to easily kind of look at. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think everybody was pretty surprised with how quickly things uh, went and, and snowballed. I will say that looking at it now, obviously things could have gone better, but at the same time, um, if I'm not mistaken, like there was a CBC article uh, I think yesterday or the day before. And it basically stated that um, it, it was previously said, you know, a lot of people were throwing around that all of the Bitcoin got confiscated. Um, that is not the case. 70% of it is still 
somewhere, uh, which was distributed um, out to individual truckers. And so those funds are, you know, not in the custody of, of police or any sort of escrow or anything like that. It's just out there. Um, could those be seized at some point? Yeah. I mean, obviously there's in terms of on-chain data, it, that's still there. Um, and obviously it, like if they go to a, an exchange that has to comply with those rules, then, then that could be, a, a you know, somebody can lose their Bitcoin over that. But, um, the, the fact remains that out of basically all donations that went to this cause, Bitcoin was more or less the only one where the majority of the funds actually got to their intended destination. Um, and the ones that didn't get to their intended destination, it was more or less user error uh, and, and lack of best practices. So that's kind of where we're at. Um, I think a lot of people around the world looked at this, maybe took notes, uh, and yeah, that's where we're at, man. Well, well, here's the thing. Again, you said at the very beginning, you thought you were only going to uh, raise a few sats. If you're if you're doing something like that, then yeah, you use a tally coin or whatever. But if you're trying to raise a million dollars, you you got to think a little bit harder and longer about the situation. And these and you just presented what the the lessons were. What, what, what needs to be done and it, it can work well. And you know, another thing in the future, when you're, when you're raising Bitcoin funds for an organization or, or a group of people, those people should be in, in the, in the perfect world, they would be uh, able to then use their Bitcoin to uh, buy supplies or, or whatever they needed instead of going to a regulated exchange to turn it into fiat. That that's a that's a point of weakness. Um, but uh, for me, if I, I ever needed a fundraiser, it would be it would be great. Yeah, I, I I would Bitcoin would be perfect for me because I would just spend the Bitcoin, trade it yeah. with the other people. We need to get the circular economy going and and, and everything like that. And again, we we talk about confiscation. It was you know nobody caribou got stuck with a bunch of Bitcoin at the end that yeah. he was he was giving out. They knew his name and. All that he could not give out. But when they come with guns to your house, what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? So that that's not. Yeah, it, it's it, it's still very much unconfiscatable if it was distributed uh, electronically to, to everybody yeah. originally. You know, it, yeah. Instead, it, it if it was sent to a thousand different addresses, there's nothing they could do. But mm -hmm. you know, it's sent to one person. They know where he lives. They come with the guns. Yeah, it, it, I mean, he could have went to jail. Sure, yeah, they, they yeah. wouldn't have been able to take it, but that would have sucked. I think the other big takeaway just outside of even the Bitcoin lens, I would say, because there's probably there's maybe some people that are watching it that were like, I don't I didn't agree with the protest. OK, fair. Uh, here's the problem, though. If the government can arbitrarily suspend the rule of law and clap down upon the protest that you don't like, then a government on the opposite side of the political spectrum could arbitrarily change the rule of law and clamp down on the protest you do support. And the precedent has now been set here in Canada. And that means that moving forward, you basically just have to trust that a government that you don't like will not use 
those same tactics. And that's a worrying thought. And I think that people in other countries maybe should be more vigilant and uh, more ready to push back against those types of things because, again, it's a very dangerous precedent to set. This was the largest protest in Canadian history. They've effectively vilified and 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 uh, painted with broad strokes. 10% of the Canadian population, more or less. And, uh, and it was also incredibly nonviolent in terms of the actual protest. No, uh, like violent offenses or like arrests were made for violent offenses. As far as I know, if there were any, it was probably just very minimal. Um, like destruction of property and stuff like that. Like there, there were things where, Oh, they desecrated a, a, a statue. They put a hat and a flag on a statue is what happened. And then the next day uh, people realized that was in poor taste and literally shined the statue and like <laughs> gave it like buffed it. Um, so it, it, there were children dancing in the streets with families. There were bouncy castles. It was, and so to see that kind of vilification come in um, and and take a few, uh, you know, there were obviously unpalatable people present when you have that many people yeah. involved in a large protest. That's going to happen no matter what. And it happens, might I add, on both sides of the spectrum. We've seen plenty of other protests in the past couple of years. And there's been people of all walks of life there and some are respectful and others are not. And so uh, I'll, I'll just say the long and the short of it is even if you don't agree with this particular protest, please take a moment to zoom out and look at the larger implications of what was done and the suspension of the rule of law and the precedent that it sets moving forward. So yeah, I'll end it there. In a country like Canada, it's amazing that this has happened. Everybody pound that like button for best freaking guest in the space. Uh, I've got a, uh, I've got a follow up though. So then the war in the Ukraine started and everybody forgot about Canada. I didn't forget about Canada. Okay. So what is, is the rule of law still suspended up there? What is going on? No. So what ended up happening is uh, they, they had a vote to whether or not they were going to extend the Emergencies Act, which would effectively it's martial law. They renamed it from uh, the War Measures Act back to back in the 70s, which funny enough, his father enacted. Trudeau's father did that. Um, so they, they had a vote. And basically the day of the vote, he came out and said, anybody in my party or the NDP that votes against this extension of the, the uh, Emergencies Act, I have to assume would be saying that they're no longer confident in the government, which would he what he was alluding to is if his bill or his uh, his extension of the emergency act was not approved, he would then trigger an election because of non-confidence, in which case people in his party and the NDP, which is the other party that basically went along with the liberals, uh, would then be up for election and would be at risk of losing their seats in parliament uh, and being replaced by other politicians, perhaps from other uh, parties. And so because of that, literally every single liberal and every single NDP, which became a majority, voted 
to approve the extension of the Emergencies Act, despite no evidence uh, brought forth that an emergency was still present because Ottawa had been cleared out, all of the blockades at the border were gone. And then after all of them voting, saying that, yes, there's still an imminent emergency uh, and we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to toe the line and we're going to we're going to uh, agree with this government, even though a lot of them publicly said, I don't agree with this act, but I don't want to trigger an election. A day and a half later, Trudeau suspended the Emergencies Act because it was going to the Senate and the Senate wasn't at risk of losing seats. There was going to be no election there. And so uh, they were asking can you provide evidence of the actual emergency that is imminent? And it seemed relatively clear that the Senate may not approve it. So Trudeau suspended it before them because he wanted to save face. At least that was my takeaway from it. So anyways, we no longer have the Emergencies Act here, here but um, and most provinces have dropped restrictions. Uh, my province has no COVID restrictions whatsoever. Most are on the way, but the federal government continues to be stubborn as hell and Canadians if unvaccinated, still cannot get on a plane domestically or internationally uh, or train or any sort form of public transit. So effectively, if you don't like it here, um, you can't travel anywhere within Canada and you can't leave because our only other border crossing is the U.S. And you can't fly there. So in a way, that now that the truckers' protest is over, the government still continues its tyranny because the the, the truckers were bringing uh, attention to the situation uh, yeah. uh, uh, of the restrictions. They wanted the restrictions to be gone. Yeah, uh, it's, it's just amazing. I'm so happy to be in the United States of America. Uh, it, I mean, it's been a pleasure. It's been the freest country during the last two years now. So, Bob, a lot was just said out there. You wanted to talk yeah. about the, the worldwide situation. What's your take? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, Adam. Um, I think the Canadian, the trucker movement, that's one of the biggest stories this year in Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and Ben, I just I have a ton of respect for what you did, um, your entire role in that, putting your name behind it, because Thanks, I know personally, um, before, you know, before you even started that, I saw the donations coming in in fiat. And I personally felt very strongly um, attached to the movement. And I wanted to donate, but I didn't want to donate in fiat because I'm well aware you know, what happened with GoFundMe, that was, you know, that was pretty expected. We all knew that was going to happen. And so I was kind of waiting for someone to do exactly what you did. And I saw the, uh, the, uh, the Hong Kong Coddle, I think the Twitter account name was, and I saw that account. And I was a bit hesitant at first because I didn't know, you know, who was behind it. But then when I saw your name behind it, I sent a few sats over. And um, I think that was when it had about 7 million sats. So it was crazy just watching the progression. I, it was, I was, amazed and um you know i was very impressed by the community to raise uh, that amount of bitcoin it was wild it was it was so wild and uh and thanks for your kind words man i i appreciate it i just before uh since we were talking about uh bitcoin 2022 bitcoin magazine and this topic i wanted to uh give a shout out to bitcoin magazine for sending me this uh, That's awesome. <laughs> uh i got i got all three of them uh so a nice little memento from from them for for doing that. You know, you, you Bob said it was obvious that uh, GoFundMe was going to do what they were going to do. It was obvious to us, but it wasn't obvious to the trucker, the people who set it up originally. Now it better be obvious to a lot more people. Okay, that that's why this story is so huge. The government's 
will continue to interfere with uh, you know, fundraising that they don't like. And it's really easy to do it uh, with the traditional uh, with the traditional uh, system there, the traditional financial system. All right, Bob, you got you got something to say here, baby. Yeah, um, I what you just said, I think one of the biggest things to come from it is the fact that it kind of opened a lot of people's eyes to a whole nother use case of Bitcoin. I think up until this point, um, you know, the 21 million, the hard money, the inflation resistant, that has been kind of the biggest selling point. But I think with Go, with what happened with GoFundMe and just in general, the confiscation of, you know, all the, the fiat funds, I think people realized that, um, you know, Bitcoin has value just beyond its scarcity. The, the censorship resistance, the decentralization, the fact that you can actually hold your own money, you can send that money to anyone peer to peer. I think a lot of people, and I actually saw a lot of tweets from people on Twitter saying, I've, I understand Bitcoin now. I finally understand why it matters, why it's important. And so I think the whole trucker movement, it really opened, not just Canada, throughout the entire world, opened people's eyes to uh, the value of Bitcoin beyond just scarcity. It is a great, incredible fundraising tool if you do it if you do it the right way. It, it really is. By the way, what is that hockey scene behind you there? I didn't, I didn't know you were. Yeah. We, we, got, we got a Canadian, Benny, and, and and then we got you. I didn't know it was going to yes. be hockey. Yes, I'm a, I'm a huge hockey fan, huge Buffalo Sabres fan. Okay. That is the French connection back there. Okay. 1970s Buffalo Sabres. There you go. Do you like the Bills also? Are you down? Are you also down? a Bills fan. Bills have been doing better than the Sabres lately, but the Sabres are they're on the when comeback. You're, when you were a kid, do you remember the four Super Bowls in a row? Oh. Uh, I don't, actually. I was not born at that point. But... Oh, wait. You weren't born yet. Oh, my Lord. You're, 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 wait, wait. Wow. Wow. I was born. Yeah, I was born in 1997. So that I was, that's what I was about to say, because your, uh, your screen name is uh, on Twitter. It's linked to yep. below. It's got a 97 in it, right? Yep. Wow, you're born in '97. Wow, you missed that. You missed that whole uh, Buffalo Bills thing. Yeah, was, anyway, anyway, okay, let's get back on topic here. All right, but uh, do you have thoughts? Uh, since you're a big hockey fan, you obviously know much about Canada. That they went so tyrannical there, uh, Bob. Do you? I mean, yeah, I mean. I mean, growing up in America, we we we've been guilted into thinking that oh, Canada is so much better. I mean, Canada is so much worse. If if you now, I mean, I don't know how anyone can say that anymore. Sorry, continue. Yeah, um, I think, you know, in a way it wasn't a surprise because Canada has kind of always been, you know, a few steps ahead of us in terms of going in that direction. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Trudeau's comments about people holding unacceptable views. I mean, he he really, you know, just made me shake my head over and over. I couldn't believe some of the things he was saying. Uh, the Emergencies Act, as Ben was talking about, pretty wild stuff. And, uh, you know, we've we had our issues in this country and we still have the issues, but um, you know, certain states, obviously Florida, Texas, I'm in Ohio right now, which is, you know, it's better. I, I'm from New York originally, obviously, which New York is pretty similar to Canada in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't a surprise, it was disappointing, but the, the trucker movement, that was actually a pleasant surprise because to be honest, I didn't expect that sort of thing to come out of Canada. I kind of just expected them to you know, toe the line and just follow orders. But, um, and then even when it started, I did not expect it to last as long as it did. They they stayed as long as physically possible till they were literally physically removed. And I was very impressed by by them. Yeah, In minus 30 degree weather, might yeah, I add. Yeah. Exactly. Really, really good point. It, it It's the Canadian government horrible. The Canadian people rose up. I, 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 I mean, that was surprising. Uh, seeing everything that had went down beforehand, so good for good for the Canadian people. 
we'll, we'll move on from this subject, but one, one final uh, matter here that people are curious about BTC sessions. Is this over for you yet? Uh, do, do, do you still have to deal with certain aspects of this uh, situation? I don't know. Okay. Um, I Right now, I don't think there's any other things that I currently have to deal with, but um, but of course, that's not the case for for Nick. Um, Nick is is named in uh, that that lawsuit, and so which was I think part of the reason that uh, you know some of those funds got why why people came to his home and and took that the keys that he did have access to. Um, you know, I don't think like he's not supposed to be commenting too much publicly about it, but he does. If I'm not mistaken, he does have a BTC pay uh, fundraiser for himself and his legal funds. Yes. So if people do want to contribute to now a BTC pay server uh, for for Nick and his legal funds, then uh, you can find him at Nobody Caribou on Twitter. And uh, there should be a link somewhere there to his BTC pay server. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, it, it's unfortunate. You know, it, the, the lawsuit, obviously different law in Canada than the United States, but they're suing, people are saying, we're suing you because you had a fundraiser. Uh, they're saying there's, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, it's two individuals in a business suing organizers of the protest for damages uh, that occurred to themselves and their businesses during the course of the protest in Ottawa. So for closed businesses or, or whatever. Okay. Um, I do find the content of that lawsuit to, to be a little hypocritical. Basically like the message is we couldn't, we couldn't go on with our lives for three weeks. And so we're suing. Meanwhile, you still have an entire swath of the population that has lost their jobs, cannot go back to work, nor can they travel, nor can they leave the country for two years so far. So, you know, three weeks, two, uh, three, three weeks of some honking and some inconvenience versus two years plus ongoing of basically losing your livelihood and the ability to travel. Yeah. You know, it, well, if the government does it, it's fine. If the people do it, it's not fine. I mean, the government can break any laws, make up anything. I mean, that, that's it's government worship. It's government worship. It's the basis of the government shouldn't be able to do it. People shouldn't be able to. I mean, this is great. They're just all right. Enough. Enough. Canada. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Let's let's move on to the Caribbean here. And uh, well, BTC Sessions and I have been in this game for a freaking long time. OK. And uh, one thing that we both remember <laughs> a guy named Roger Ver and everything that man would do. There was a time it would be earth shattering. In fact, it, it, it's funny, BTC sessions. We are now at the uh, five year anniversary of uh, St. Patrick's day of uh, 2017. When you were on one of my shows and Vinny Lingham suddenly appeared on the show and was scaring us about Roger Ver and Bcash. This was at the height of, uh, you know, there was no Bcash yet. It was Roger Ver threatening to, to fork off Bitcoin, to do all sorts of things with Bitcoin and, and, and Jihan Wu. And people were scared. Every word that would come out of Roger Ver's mouth 
um, the, the price of Bitcoin would go down. It was it was having a hard time getting over thirteen hundred dollars back then. <laughs> oh, it's so funny when you look about it, at, look back on it. And this was a time in Bitcoin's history when it was a learning experience. People learned that one man does not control Bitcoin. But at the time, there were plenty of people that thought Roger Ver controlled Bitcoin. Whatever he did, whatever he said, this was the true Bitcoin mantra. This was, and people can go back to that show of mine. It was the best show in the history of this 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 show, this week in Bitcoin, March the seventeenth of twenty seventeen. Legendary two hour show uh, when Vinnie Lingham makes an appearance in the second uh, hour. But we fast forward to today, and I hadn't really heard about Roger for a while. And the space has grown so much that that people don't even know what Bcash is anymore. It's not a top ten altcoin, and uh, you know people are talking about NFTs and 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 bored apes. I mean, more people know what bored apes are on this planet than Roger Ver, which is just putting it in perspective. Um, because I, I, on a certain level, uh, Roger Ver is better than Bored Apes. But from his history, at least. Uh, well, he's back in the news again. And he's kind of like the anti-Samson Mao. Samson Mao is making it his, uh, his thing to spread, uh, spread Bitcoin to, to countries, to, to, for them to use it. Whatever he's exactly doing, I don't know. But apparently Roger Ver has convinced some... Uh, some guy in St. Martin's, or I can't pronounce it. It's St. Like Martin, yeah. St. Martin, a Caribbean nation. Uh, the, the, this guy in parliament to, to get his entire salary in, in Bcash. And there he is. There's Roger again. This is what Ro- what's become of Roger. And, you know, some people are making it a big deal. Like, oh, Roger's you know, tricking the guy. You know, at, at this point, if a country wants to adopt Bcash, and, 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 or, or for a government official, maybe they're being bribed. I don't know. It's it's all them. It's not Roger's fault. <laughs> I mean, it, it's all out there. I mean, to, 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 and it just shows you there are some people that are always, no matter what, no matter what the history is, the history is all out there. They're going to want to be involved with they what they think is with them, the next Bitcoin. And guys, Bitcoin is the next Bitcoin. So. Uh, BTC sessions, maybe you, you could talk. The, the article is linked to below. I don't know if everybody's heard about it. It's not that big of a story, but for me, it not being that big of a story kind of puts it in perspective how much we've grown these the last five years. And uh, was it bet? Were we, were we in a better situation when when Roger Ware was a bigger name than Bored Apes? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> in, in terms of FUD, in terms of FUD, I, I would rather deal with Roger Ware FUD. Then you know all these freaks out there that are saying that Bitcoin is going to burn up the world uh, through through ESG. I think ESG is is more nonsensical than Roger Ver, to tell you the truth. But uh, BTC sessions, take it away. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. It's funny because like back in the day, you know, years ago, say prior to 2017, like 2016, 2015, a uh, uh, member of parliament or whatever from a, a random nation accepting their paycheck in Bitcoin would have been a, a pretty big story, right? People would have been, wow, this is amazing. Um, but flash forward to today and you have, you know, big name athletes, uh, you know, heads of state, uh, you know, the mayor of New York, the mayor of Miami, 
um, all of these different politicians, you name it, you name the celebrity, all taking portions or the entirety of their paychecks in Bitcoin. And we just kind of shrug it off. The other notable thing about this is, is kind of like how far behind the eight ball uh, Roger Ver is in that all of these other people are just voluntarily saying, oh, you know, I want part of my paycheck in Bitcoin. I just I just want this. Meanwhile, like the the image of Roger, like creepily looking over and like approving as the guy he's clearly like had some he's he's been coaxing the dude or been very much encouraging and, and get, you know, trying his hardest to to get somebody to do this. Um, you know, it, it took roger ver to get one parliamentarian in saint martin to to take to even accept their uh their salary in bitcoin cash whereas it's just kind of naturally occurring and in uh spots around the us and around the world for bitcoin and beyond that bitcoiners don't even really care about that happening anymore because we've moved on to nation states so like to put it in perspective you know, Roger Ver convincing one gullible dude in a Caribbean island to accept Bitcoin cash for his salary is is so far down the totem pole of relevance that, yeah. You were just in Central America. Uh, I, did you have fun? And uh, what, do you know more about what Samson Mal is trying to do in terms of uh, spreading uh, Bitcoin to nation states? Uh, well, I mean, he left Blockstream to do it, so it must be a big deal, right? He's yeah. he's now out on his own. Uh, he he tweeted out a cryptic uh, coffee the other day. There's there's a picture of him, and there's just a coffee cup, and he said, "Man, Guatemalan coffee is so good." And then obviously every every Bitcoin Twitter sleuth is on it. But where are you? What are you doing? And and obviously had previously just announced that he's starting to do this stuff. Um, so there's, you know, I, I think having Samson Mao out there doing this kind of stuff is fantastic. I don't I don't know that Guatemala is going to make Bitcoin legal tender, but I also kind of wouldn't be surprised if that were to pop up at this conference. Uh, coming up, yeah. you know, there's some yeah. announcements and stuff they've got going on. Jack Mallers is doing a speech again, has a, has a special announcement near the end of the conference oh, and everything. God. So, um, and, the, and the, you know, you have Max Kaiser tweeting out, uh, like replying to uh, an article saying the IMF doesn't want another Central American country accepting Bitcoin uh, as legal tender. And he basically said too late and then had the flag of Honduras beside it. And Max had previously said that he was already aware of the next country to do it. Um, but again, Max, I love him, but also Max says a lot of things. Yeah. So take it with a grain of salt, just in case. Um, but yeah, I would, uh, you know, I, I very much value what, uh, what um, Samson is doing. I think uh, given his experience thus far, he'll be an asset on that front. Um, in terms of Central America and what's going on down there, I mean, I was just in Costa Rica and actually, I guess this kind of uh, ties in with the Canada stuff we were just talking about. Um, I, I met two Bitcoiners down there that are Canadian expats as of this year. 
So as stuff was developing here, they realized they didn't want to live in Canada anymore. So, so they beelined with families down to Costa Rica and now live there. Uh, so I was, I was excited to meet them. One guy, uh, his name is Adrian. He is writing a Bitcoin related fiction book. Um, and actually I've got the first chapter right here, which I get to read and review and I'm excited to dive into it. Um, and then uh, the other guy was from Montreal and he moved down there with his family. He's only been, been in Bitcoin a, a year and a half, two years I was the first, and this made me super happy. I was the first Bitcoiner he got to meet in person and actually have a person-to-person -person chat with Bitcoin. And it, it, was, it was an interesting conversation because I think part of the, you know, it, it's, it's been a, a stressful and trying past few years for a lot of people. And this guy was coming from a place where he was recognizing like the cracks in the system, recognizing all this stuff. He didn't have anybody to talk about it. Um, he basically gave up his business, his family at home, everything packed up, left the country that he's lived in his entire life, moved across the world had all of these ideas about how the world worked and was looking at Bitcoin and, and just like, I guess in the back of his mind was still like, I haven't ever talked to anybody about this. Am I crazy? Am I insane? And when I sat down with him and he said, he basically was like, you are the first person that I get to actually speak with about this. Um, and it was really emotional for him. Like, I think just the, the, the gravity of leaving his country just a month prior with his entire family, giving up his businesses, all of this stuff, the weight of the last two years of basically he was from Quebec and they were bad. Um, it even got to a point where in Quebec, uh, if you were unvaccinated, if you wanted to go into Walmart, you couldn't buy anything other than groceries. So they had you walk in, stand in a little cordoned off square and then wait for a representative from Walmart to come and then walk you and escort you through the store so that you only picked up groceries. That's how bad it got in, in Quebec. And when he sat down to talk to me partway through the conversation, he actually broke down and cried because of the emotional weight of everything that had happened to him over the past couple of years and having an outlet to finally talk about it and, and converse with somebody with like-minded ideal, like with, uh, um, similar views of the world. And, uh, and it was a pretty emotional moment. I'm not going to lie. Amazing guy. And, uh, and I really do wish him and his family the best, but I, again, to the topic at hand, uh, Bitcoiners are looking at Central America um, because there's a, I, you know, El Salvador was this glimmer of maybe people there are more akin to, to get it maybe something could spring from that. I think we're starting to see some of that manifest and it's very early stages, but there's promise there. And I, I very much look forward to seeing what that part of the world looks like in a couple decades. I, I let me tell you about this, this guy that you're talking about, his family props to him. He is in motion. It's really hard to be in motion when you got kids and a family though. Uh, for me, 
I can go from state to state. That's what I've been doing. I choose the best state to hang out in. I got no uh, attack vectors, okay? When you got kids, a wife, a house, there's a lot you're giving up. But it's a lot, just a, a lot to coordinate. So uh, I, I do, if you are a single guy though, don't be a tree. Don't just stick and complain in one of these areas uh, and say, oh, my life sucks. Get out. But that dude, that, that it's, it's easier said than done. Uh, also, Central America, you're talking about and surprises. Yep. In Miami, there's supposed to be some big surprise. It's going to be revealed. So it would not shock me at all if there's another country. Oh, we'll see. And yeah, I don't believe a word Max Kaiser says, tell you the truth. All right. So let's go to Bob Simon here. Uh, <laughs> we, you've, got, you've got a lot to say, Bob Simon, I'm sure. Uh, please comment on, uh, I, I, I mean, you didn't know about the uh, Roger Ver story, but perhaps you have some opinions. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot there. Um, yeah. The Roger Ver story, I think. It's it's funny that I hadn't heard about it because if this happened, like you said, three years ago, it would have been all over the news. But the fact that, you know, we're onboarding entire countries, we're having giant corporations buy. I mean, it's it just doesn't matter at this point. But one thing I will say about Roger, um, you got to give it to him. He's very persistent. I mean, he I you know, I'm I just checked his Twitter. Actually, he hasn't tweeted in a year and I, I didn't know what happened to him. I thought he disappeared, but apparently he's still out there hustling. And, uh, you know, I don't know why anyone would listen to him. I don't know why anyone would adopt Bcash. But, uh, yeah, I think um, I think they'll realize shortly that they kind of they picked fake Bitcoin. And I'm not too concerned about the long term repercussions of this. Um, I just think it's it's a good example of how far we've come. The fact that he he did this and it, it just doesn't matter because we're so far ahead of what he's doing. Bob, I, I, you're, Bob, you're telling me that you don't think that this is the first domino to be cash world dominion? <laughs> hey, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe he's got some uh, some stuff up his sleeve. But um, in terms of the South America stuff, I think it's very exciting. Um, you know, the El Salvador announcement last year. I don't think people made as big a deal of it as I think it was, just because I do think it was an actual domino effect. I think, you know, you need that. You need that first country that first uh first mover there's actually an interesting video on youtube you guys have probably seen it um how how a movement has started it's just one dude dancing alone in a crowd or just alone in a park and then he gets that first follower and then you just get everyone coming it's a great video if you haven't seen it um but i think el salvador they were that first dancer that first crazy dancer and the you know the second person that's actually the key that turns a, a soul crazy nut into a movement and um, like you said at this conference, who knows if it's going to be Honduras, Guatemala, you know, Max Kaiser, is he, is he onto something? Is he just speaking? I don't know. Who knows? But it's, in my opinion, it's inevitable that there will be the next country. And I think it probably will come from South America. I think they're way more, uh, they're, they're way more apt to understand what Bitcoin is. I think a lot of us in Western countries, we're kind of pampered. You know, we have the U.S. dollar, which, you know, obviously highest inflation in decades at this point. But over the past few decades, um, inflation's been persistent, but it's been low enough to where most people don't realize they haven't noticed. Uh, most people, they haven't had their bank accounts confiscated or censored. Obviously, that's happening in Canada now. So, I mean, things are happening now in the Western world. But I think most people in the West, they just have no idea what uh, you know, what the true value of Bitcoin is. And that's not the case in these other countries. They have been dealing with corruption for their entire lives. 
And I think, you know, they hear about Bitcoin and it really strikes a chord with them. And I think that, yeah, it's going to be, it's really just game theory playing out. It's, you know, El Salvador, they were the first ones. Countries, neighboring countries are going to see the benefits it's bringing to them. You know, the tourism, the, uh, you know, the, the treasury buying Bitcoin, you know, over the next few years, that's obviously going to, to make a dent, um, you know, for them. They're going to be able to do a lot of things that they wouldn't have been able to do. And I think other countries are going to notice, and it's just going to be logical to follow in their footsteps. They've already laid out the game plan. It's going to be very simple for them to do it, and it's it's just going to catch fire. I think there's there's a logical aspect to it, but a lot of these governments uh, don't want to give up the uh, power of the printing press. And another thing, uh, you, you talked about the Central American countries being used to corruption. Indeed, it will not shock me if one day somewhere on this planet, some altcoin uh, promoter bribes a country to accept his altcoin as their uh, as their currency or something like that so, so so don't freak out people we got there's a lot of different directions this thing could go on go in uh and it's it's, it's an exciting time to be alive and as uh btc sessions have put it back in 2016 this all would have been shocking i mean just uh, uh, uh unbelievable Le- legal tender of a in a country uh or or, or, or uh, a government official accepting uh cryptocurrency as payment in 2015 uh, would have been a, 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 a dream come true. So it's it's been such a freaking wild ride. And I, I'm glad I've uh, held my Bitcoin the entire time. It's been a <laughs> buy and hold. It's a lifestyle that pays off. All right. So let's uh, th- th- we're talking about governments. We've uh, gone down the rabbit hole from Canada all the way down to Central America. Let's let's come to Texas here. All right. Uh, Texas uh, Congressman endorses Bitcoin mining for U.S. energy independence. Uh, Bitcoin mining is exploding in Texas. That's partly because uh, prominent politicians such as Representative Pete Sessions are courting mining firms. Okay, I, you know, the government asking mining firms to come down there. It's, uh, that's nice, but I, I believe in the power of the free market and, and Texas is, is great for because of lack of regulation and everything that's down there. But uh, Bitcoin mining, mining companies are flocking to Texas. Global fuel prices have risen in the wake of Russia's war against the Ukraine. And Representative Pete Sessions wants a Texas Bitcoin mining to be a key component of the U.S. energy policy. All right, dudes. So I, I, I do I do see I, I can see that Bitcoin promotes energy independence. OK. And what the United States right now, instead of, you know, What's going, you know, I, I, what Europe is learning right now is that Russia's got them by the testicles in terms of uh, oil, okay, and energy, in terms of energy, all right? Uh, Russia's got them by it, by the balls. And uh, it, it, the more the more uh, you let the free market and uh, innovation flourish in your country, uh, the, the, the more power that will be produced in unique new ways and the more, you know, the, the, the cost... Power costs will be lowered for your country and that will uh, for the people of your country and that will enable more innovation. OK, so for that reason, I think uh, Pete Sessions, it's good that he's a, a good promoter of Bitcoin. And it, it, it is a reminder that Bitcoin means energy independence. And we are living in a time right now that the answer to all of what's going on in the Ukraine to, to Russia's uh, energy dominance is just let let there be innovation in the United States of America and we'll take them here, baby. Our, our, our uh, entrepreneurs will be able to create things we cannot even imagine. 
and tying and Bitcoin is a great way to tie it all, all in together because Bitcoin mining does uh, uh, help uh, make energy. Uh, it, 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 it makes it greener. It really does. It, despite what people say. So uh, w- w- we'll start with you on this. Uh, who will we start on? Bob, of course. Uh, your, your take on Pete Sessions and, and uh, energy independence and just the whole geopolitical situation where, where Russia has got Europe in a bad situation, uh, but perhaps uh, Europe would be in a better situation if they weren't such green freaks and would let uh, Bitcoin do what it's got to do in terms of mining. Yeah, I think the whole the whole ESG thing, it's it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around because on one hand, You'd think these countries would want to be energy independent and not rely on a country that they, you know, they hate. They hate Russia. And so you'd think they wouldn't want to be giving their money to Russia and rely on them. But at the same time, they seem to be uh, putting their ESG standards ahead of that. Um, I think it's, you know, the when China banned Bitcoin mining, I think that presented a huge opportunity for the rest of the world, uh, especially the United States. Um, and you see that in Texas, you see that in Florida, but especially Texas, it seems like Texas is kind of attempting to become the, the Bitcoin mining hub of the United States. Um, and I think, you know, it really is a huge opportunity right now because it's still it's still so early in the game. There's still so many people that don't really understand the implications of Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. And I think uh, Ted Cruz has actually done a great job at speaking to the the positives of bitcoin mining um and yeah i think it's 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 a great thing i hope the united states uh, and canada and western countries in general can put aside their obsession with esg and you know the most annoying thing is bitcoin is not even unfriendly to the environment bitcoin you know you have to look at the whole picture so many people just you know that recent article about the new york times how one transaction equals $400 or something like that. It's these people, they don't look at the whole picture. They don't realize that there's so much waste. There's so much uh, inefficiency in our current financial system. And Bitcoin would just eliminate so much of that waste. And, you know, you can't really put a calculation on that. But um, I think overall Bitcoin, it's, yeah, like you said, it's going to be green just because it's going to eliminate so much waste and it's just going to make everything so much more efficient. Yes, indeed. So let's, uh, Texas, keep on doing your thing. BTC Sessions, your thoughts. Yeah, I want to I wanna, uh, talk about a little stat here. This is from Troy Cross uh, at the TRO CRO. Uh, he is one of the, the progressive Bitcoiners out there. Um, but he also is very interested in just getting down to the actual facts of the matter. And uh, he also has not, uh, been uh, very impressed with the reporting on the actual facts of Bitcoin mining. And so he tweeted this out. Uh, it would have been uh, March 11th. So, you know, 12 days ago. But he said, according to Cambridge, there's enough flared gas to power five Bitcoin networks, all while converting methane to CO2. Methane is 80 times as warming as CO2 over 20 years. Methane is responsible for one third of all warming. Huge win for the climate. So basically what he's saying is um, a lot of methane uh, from oil and gas wells is just flared, burned into the atmosphere, which is horrible for 
for the atmosphere. Um, it's 80 times worse than CO2. And so if you take some Bitcoin miners and it's rather than flaring that gas, you convert it to CO2 um, in the process of powering said miners, uh, you are uh, reducing emissions of that one third um, by 80 percent or sorry, by 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 uh, <laughs> by 80 times effectively. And and so it's it's a massive win in terms of emissions go. On top of that, you were talking about, you know, it, Bitcoin being um, positive for uh, for like green energy and so on and so forth. I mean, in the end, Bitcoin miners are just a, a buyer of last resort for energy, for wasted energy. And so you can then use that income from those Bitcoin miners to subsidize whatever projects you like. So if you're in a state that wants to build more green energy projects and you see that as an efficient way of getting energy, then have at her. You can, you can go ahead and, and do that. Now, I'm of the mind that we should use the most efficient forms of energy that we have available to us currently. I'm definitely for uh, R&D on, on, you know, coming across new ways of harnessing energy and making it more efficient, less pollution, so on and so forth. Um, but also I feel we should always be realistic at the, about the tools that we have at hand um, and not make massive moves uh, in changing the energy grid, if not justified by the actual uh, data on the energy and how it's produced and take into a f account like how the actual, you know, things like solar panels and, and uh, wind turbines and all that, how they're created, what goes into that, you know, you've got to actually look at everything and make sure that it makes sense. But I think in the end, what Bitcoin mining does in relation to the power grid is it makes it more robust more reliable because it can uh, be that buyer of last resort. Thus, you can uh, make your grid much more robust because it's basically paid for at that point. Um, and then you can decide what the best and most efficient form of energy is from then. So that, I don't know. That's kind of my take on it. There we go. There we go. It, it opens up all sorts of opportunities, uh, Bitcoin. It really does. All right, so let's. Uh, I want to move on to the 0.25 rate hike by the the Fed. Uh, they want to fight inflation, so they say it's that's not going to really do do that big much of big of a deal. This is actually this is more than a week ago this happened, but I'm bringing it up as I didn't get to talk about it last week, um, and I think we're one step closer to a Fed coin. I think uh, that that will be uh, the difference maker in uh, keeping the normies. And uh, the mass is happy uh, when they when they start getting their free Fed coin and their negative interest rates and all that. I think all this this Fed rate hike is it's it's not going to make that uh, it's not going to make a big of a difference at all uh, psychologically for some investors. It might I I don't know, but I, I do want to say in terms of inflation, uh, maybe everyone can quickly tell a quick little inflation story. Uh, my my inflation story because it is real. Oh, it is real. Uh, and they, I said it would be painted as happyflation. And, you know, so the government did try to paint it as a good thing for a while. But most people are waking up. They're, they're going to need they're going to need something here. I mean, we got 
what, what is this quote here? Uh, Surging used car prices are turning vehicles into profitable investments. Okay, that, that clearly shows we've got an inflation problem. <laughs> when a used car is now an investment because any pseudo asset is better than fiat at this point. But uh, my inflation story is when I'm, I'm driving across across America back to, to get to, to back to the East Coast and I am making sure I am buying the cheapest gas possible and filling up at the end of my trip, you know, you know, I, I, I get to a place, I got to stay for 10 days. I fill up uh, at, at the, you know, when I get there. So, because I know 10 days later, the gas is going to be more money. Uh, it, it's, uh, that, that's, that, that, that's my little inflation story here. So it's, it's a real thing. I see the prices uh, keep on going up as I've been driving the prices in, Ca- in uh, California were absolutely ridiculous. I guess that's another story too. I, when I was briefly in California, very briefly after Las Vegas, I made sure to get as little gas as possible in California and then fill up again when I got to Arizona, where it was like a $2 cheaper or something like that. Uh, so I, I guess my, my, my question for you guys, any funny inflation stories you have, I mean, funny being in quotes, but uh, when, do you, when do you expect FedCoin to come around the United States and, and how, long can, how long can the Fed even uh, – you know, say they're going to raise rates for it and think it's going to actually make a difference. So uh, we'll start with Bob again because Benny's talked a lot. Yeah. So um, I think the Fed, they, they're really stuck between a rock and a hard place. I think not, you know, most people, you know, we all understand the position they're in, but I think most people have no idea the position they're in. I think most people just think through the federal reserve, they got things under control. Um, But clearly, you know, I remember last year them telling us that inflation was transitory. And, you know, I love how they use all these fancy words like transitory instead of just saying temporary. It means the same thing. But clearly it's not transitory. Um, I mean, yeah, like you were saying, gas in California, I saw some pictures. It was over eight bucks. That's just ridiculous. Um, Here in Ohio, it's like 410, which is it's crazy, but, you know, not nearly as bad as it is in some places. Um, Yeah, I think so. So the Fed, they 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 can't raise rates too much or else the whole thing comes down i mean the there's so much debt in the system right now overall whether we're talking government debt whether we're talking personal debt corporate debt they know they can't raise rates too much but at the same time they have to you know at least appear like they're fighting this inflation and i do think it's funny that they you know they had this 25 basis point move 0.25% that's their idea of fight, of fighting inflation I think that's kind of laughable. It's really not going to do anything. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, just overall, we are, we're in a very interesting spot in history. And I think, you know, we realize this, but I think most people, they have no idea that the people that are in control of this, they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and, um, you, yeah. that's, that's why we have Bitcoin. Yeah. You know, we, Bitcoin is, is the lifeboat. Bitcoin, you know, when the, when the stuff hits the fan, I mean, whether it's, whether they reverse course and they start printing more money, which I think, I think is inevitable. I think um, they're not going to be able to raise rates a ton. I mean, you look back the past couple of decades, every time they've started to raise rates, they've had to reverse course and it just gets worse and worse as they keep kicking the can down the road. And uh, I see this time being no different. And this time when they do reverse course, I think it's going to be, basically the green light for Bitcoin to just take off. I think, I think Bitcoin can rise in a raising rates environment just because, you know, it rates 
rising really has nothing to do with Bitcoin's value proposition. You know, in traditional finance, they look at rates rising and they think, okay, we got to sell stocks. We're just, we're not living in that world anymore. We're living in a world where the Fed, their hands are tied. They can say, they can signal, they can do whatever they want. It doesn't change the inevitable outcome. Uh, they're going to be printing money. We just don't know exactly when that's going to happen. And that is why you just need to keep stacking sats and not really worry about all this. You don't even really need to be an expert in any of this. You just got to keep stacking sats. Well, Bitcoin is our lifeboat. I think their lifeboat, they don't know what they're doing, but they're going to figure it out. Central bank digital currency, FedCoin, that is going to be their, that's a, a new uh, a factor that will complicate things and let them continue this for a while. So do you think they will, when the United States, uh, you have any predictions when the bank digital currency will come out? Uh, well, I think it'll probably happen in China first. I think they are way ahead of us in terms of that. Line three is on. Continue, Bob. We got cut off. Okay, yeah. So I think China, they are, um, they're a little bit ahead of us and it's not something to really be proud of being ahead of us uh, in this case, but uh, I do think, you know, the Fed is looking at it. We we know they're looking at it. They've released documents stating that they're taking a look at it. Biden's latest executive order uh, had, you know, central bank digital currency right in it. And so they are looking at it in terms of when it will come. It's it's pretty hard to say. I'd say within the next few years, I think, you know, it's, it's likely that they're going to make a shot at it. I think there's going to be a lot of pushback. I think a lot of people are, you know, aware of the dangers of it and in terms of censorship, in terms of uh, loss of privacy. I think cash is really the last, you know, if you're using a credit card, using a debit card, your name's attached to all this. Cash is really the only thing you can still use, you know, go to a gas station, buy whatever you want. And they're trying to eliminate cash right now. And so I think it really just comes down to education. If we can get enough people to realize that this central bank digital currency is not something that we should want. I think there's going to be enough backlash, you know, in both parties, um, obviously mostly on the right, they're ahead and understanding this is a danger, but I think a lot of people on the left, you know, they're not going to enjoy the lack of privacy. And so I do think the, the Fed is going to make a push for it. I don't know how successful it will be because unlike China, you know, we actually do believe in freedom in this country, at least we're supposed to. And I'd like to think that the people are not going to stand for something like that. They'll be able to twist it as something that's good for the people. You'll be able to get uh, free mortgages this way or something. I don't know. Be, I, I'm putting it, I've been putting it out there for a little while. I think all this rate hiking and fears of inflation talk, this is going to be their wild card. They're eventually going to stumble upon. And maybe you're right. It, it might not be as well. Hopefully, won't it be as horrifying as what China is going to do? Something that tracks you all the time. There'll, there'll be some privacy aspects to it, but it's 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 going to happen. And uh, I, I think it'll happen by the uh, probably be somewhere something to do with the next election, with the next presidential election. I, I don't know, but it it, it will happen. Uh, people are not familiar with the uh, central bank digital currency concept yet. They will be. Fedcoin is uh, coming around. So BTC sessions, Fedcoin, inflation. Your thoughts? Um, yeah, so I guess first I'll go down the CBDC route. Um, yeah, I mean, that's obviously coming. Uh, that's that's one of the ways that they'll be able to extract wealth from people, right? If it if it if if your money is gradually worth less and they're able to create more at will, 
um, or they're able to incentivize you to spend by saying if there's an, a, effectively an expiration date on your on your money or it, you're not allowed to spend on certain things or or you you drove too far so now your car doesn't work for gas you know little things tweaks things like that um so i think in the end i mean luckily in a world where cvdcs are, are about to roll out we have the alternative it's it already exists in a way it may even make it easier uh to obtain bitcoin um quasi anonymously uh because if you think of something like bisc um bisc being the like a decentralized exchange if you have people in your country that also hold CBDCs and you'd like to exchange them for Bitcoin, like when you use BISC to buy Bitcoin from peer to peer, um, yeah, there exists a transfer from a bank account or whatever payment method you're using that there is a trail there of, oh, I, I gave somebody money, but there's no indication that it was in any way linked to buying Bitcoin. So the same could be true, but now from anywhere on the globe um, with, with CBDCs in using a tool like BISC, perhaps. We'll see how it rolls out. Um, in terms of the inflation thing, a couple things come to mind. Like I, I just, on uh, to my normie friends, I shared out a, an image the other day. I went, to, I went to go grocery shopping and I had one of those mini carts, the little stubby ones with two levels. I effectively had three bags of groceries uh, and a couple of jugs of milk. And it was, it was 203 Canadian dollars for three bags and a couple of jugs of milk. Um, and that wasn't even all the stuff we needed. Like we, I was just, we just got home. So I was just picking up like the bare, like the, you know, bread and milk and stuff like that. My kids need, and you know, a few basic things. And I think I got some like chicken breasts in there or whatever, but effectively, it wasn't like I was packing the, the cart with the most expensive stuff. And then we got home and we had to order the remainder online to, for, for delivery. Cause you know, we had the kids and everything. Uh, and it was another $260 on top of that Canadian. Uh, so we spent like $460 on groceries. We're already like, we've already gone through a good chunk of the $200 worth of stuff that we, so it's just like, Grocery bills on a monthly basis for a family of four are well over a thousand dollars at this point for me. Um, it's it's getting pretty wild. Um, the other thing in terms of inflation that came comes to mind was that Bloomberg opinion article that came up, and the the tweet was inflation stings most if you earn less than three hundred k, which is like ninety nine percent. Of people uh here's how to deal and they give some some hot tips and they say take the bus don't buy in bulk T try lentils instead of meat and the last tip was nobody said this would be fun <laughs> great great thanks a lot bloomberg opinion i really value that so yeah i don't know it's um it's it, it kind of reads like that 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 picture of that old pair picture of Paris Hilton, where she's got her arms up in the air and her shirt says, stop being poor. That's basically what this tweet reads like. Um, so yeah, it, it's hitting everybody. I know people having trouble making ends meet. 
Um, the unfortunate thing is there's not like an easy immediate solution to that. Obviously, long term, Bitcoin is a solution to that. But for somebody who's having trouble even putting food on the table, it's difficult to say like, well, I'll just buy Bitcoin because it's, it's volatile in the short term, obviously. So you can't just if you can barely afford food at this point and you haven't been say, you know, you didn't have the uh, you weren't prescient enough to put disposable income into Bitcoin prior, it can be a difficult situation to be in. But in the long term, I hope that we all gravitate towards better money and it helps the populace as opposed to the politicians. Indeed. Indeed. Well, good, good luck to everybody. I mean, those, those bills are uh, extraordinary. That's uh, it's horrifying. You have to pay that much for food. You got the kids to feed though. Let's you, you want to talk about uh, some sats card. What is sats card? That's in my title. Oh yeah. Uh, so I just saw it the, uh, the other day I knew it was kind of coming out, but coin kite uh, and Rodolfo Novak, same, same guys that uh, do cold card. Uh, they're dropping two products soon ish. It appears one is called sats card and one is called tap signer. Both of them are like credit card looking things with NFC in them, but the sats card is effectively an open dime but with NFC functionality and rather than an open dime, which basically you can load it with Bitcoin and then you, you use a little push pin to break the seal and, and let people know that it's been utilized. What this one does is it actually is a quote unquote reusable open dime in that it's like 10 open dimes in one. And there's like the, the way that the chip in it works is there's 10 slots or like, I think the understanding of it that I have is that there's 10 private keys that are generated. Um, and then as each one is utilized and effectively unsealed, uh, then it becomes evident to anybody holding the card that that slot was unsealed. And then you can load up the next slot with Bitcoin and then pass it on to the next person until all 10 slots have been used and unsealed. So basically, like a, again, like a, the, the, the key point to an open dime is that nobody knows the private key until you unseal it. The same is true with this NFC card and you can load it up. But as soon as you digitally unseal the private key, it will let the user know that this slot is no longer secure. Um, so really cool. I'm interested. I'm, I'm excited to make a video on it when I get my hands on one. And the other one is literally an NFC uh, hardware wallet, which sounds like it would be best used as part of a multi-sig. So you can imagine like having uh, a wallet on your phone that has a private key and then having this sats card which is a separate private key and in order to approve a transaction you have to sign on your phone and then as a second signer tap the nfc card to to finalize the transaction so i think there's some cool things coming out from CoinKite that I'm, I'm excited to play around with uh i guess we'll see how it goes rodolfo's pretty um He's an adversarial thinker, uh, so I'm I'm curious to see, um, you know, what can come up and like how secure using this technology is, so on and so forth. So uh, I'll be playing with that in the future. Canadian innovation, pound that like button. All right, we're getting toward the end of the show. That means I got to read this. Uh, remind you about Miami 
Bitcoin 2022. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ask the guests if they'll be there. Obviously, BC Sessions ZC sessions will be there. Bitcoin 2022 is the largest Bitcoin event ever that takes place April 6th to 9th in Miami Beach, Florida. That is really soon, people. All four days will be packed with exclusive content, exciting announcements, and an incredible lineup of expert Bitcoin speakers and leaders. Day one is industry day for those who are looking to build a Bitcoin business or career. Day two and three are general conference days featuring speakers like El Salvador, El Presidente, Nayib Bukele, who has promised a big prize. Hmm. U.S. Senator Cynthia Lewis of Wyoming. Uh, thought leaders like Jordan Peterson. Wow, that, that'll be awesome. Speaking of Canadians, and as well as CEOs like Michael Saylor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Mallers, and Adam Back, and hundreds more. The conference caps off with the world's first and largest Bitcoin music festival, Sound Money Festival, with all these rappers and DJs and all these people that are listed that I don't know. Last year's conference sold out, and this year's is expected to be three times as large. So we're talking about 30,000 people super spreading Bitcoin. So, and I will be there. So make sure grab your tickets before it's too late. Visit b.tc slash conference to learn more uh, and use Adam 10 for a 10% discount code. It's linked to below. I'm going to see you guys there. You're going to be able to touch my hair and hug me and ask me questions and uh, the ticket prices are only going up for here. So, so use that Adam 10 discount code. And I do want to remind everyone, I usually do this This Week in Bitcoin on Fridays. I'm doing it today, Wednesday, because I am traveling to Oklahoma City uh, on Friday because I am spe- on, on, on Saturday, Bitcoin Day. It is, is an event in Oklahoma City put on by Bitcoin Day people. They put on these events all over the country. Uh, and you will be able to meet me on the MC and all these other awesome guests. Uh, it is linked to below Adam 10 discount code. I'm in motion. You're in motion, Oklahoma city in motion Saturday. I will see you this. I mean, I will be in Oklahoma city hanging out, uh, on on Saturday. That'll be awesome. And then, uh, when I fly back, uh, I will be in Miami starting Monday through the conference through, I'm going to be in Miami for a month. So, so that is going to be good. Uh, it's always Miami is just such a free city. Uh, I've been so impressed with my visits there. Uh, you know, they're not scared of anything there. So BTC sessions, what are you? When are you getting to Miami? What do you, what are your plans? Are you excited? Uh, I'll be getting there on the fourth, and I'll be there till the eleventh. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, people that are watching, if you're down there, you can see me there. You can't touch my hair, but you can look at it. <laughs> and uh yeah i'm super excited to see everybody um it's such a i don't know i like I, I don't know how to describe it maybe like a religious experience going and seeing so many great bitcoiners and like and just having that rapport with them and and um getting to talk to people meet new bitcoiners that i've never met before uh last year one of the one one of the people that i met that i was very thankful to have met uh, just as his book was coming out, Eric Yakes, who wrote The Seventh Property, um, which is an excellent book on Bitcoin um, and the history of money. Uh, you know, he came up to me and was like, yo, I, I wrote a book and I, I bought it on the spot uh, on, on Amazon and then uh, read it and had a, he's been on the show a couple of times since. Um, but really cool seeing people there and then see them kind of like, 
you know, bring their ideas into the Bitcoin community and, and like those with the good ideas, you know, rise to the top. And um, yeah, very excited for that again uh, to go down and meet everyone. Uh, by the way, someone in the chat said price fixing destroys supply. Very good point, dude. They are going to, there are certain Western countries that are going to try to put a, a price limits on, on the, uh, certain things. And that is a recipe for disaster. Just wanted to put that out there because I saw that randomly there. All right. Uh, Bob, do you, are you going to be in Miami and do you see uh, price, uh, price limits, price controls by countries coming soon? Uh, in terms of price controls, price fixing, yeah. I mean, it's already happening in certain countries. We've seen how it works. If you know anything about the Soviet Union or any countries that have tried it, it doesn't work. But that won't stop politicians from trying again. Um, and then in terms of Miami, unfortunately, I will not be there. Uh, but I'm looking forward to following along on Twitter, watching the streams. I'm looking forward to all the big announcements and uh, potentially getting there next year because I've heard great things about it. Well, speaking of big announcements, what are you up to? Tell us about your YouTube channel and, and, and everything you're doing and just uh, anything. The floor is yours. Yeah. Um, so I have a bunch of Twitter accounts. Uh, the most well-known one is probably Bitcoin Stimulus. It's uh, it's the account that tracks the value of the stimulus check, the $1,200 that was given to U.S. citizens a couple of years ago. I think that number's up to like $7,500. Um, that's just a great way to show people, you know, you, they probably wasted their stimulus check on a TV or something stupid. You can make them feel a little guilty for not buying Bitcoin. Um, yeah, I got a YouTube channel, started it a little under a year ago. It's called 21 Million TV. Uh, I make animated Bitcoin videos. I kind of zoom out, take a bigger picture through an economic and philosophical lens, just trying to talk about what Bitcoin is, why it's important, why everyone should care about it. Um, I have about 20 videos up at this point. Uh, the first video is titled, What is Bitcoin? Why is it important? It was basically just my... Uh, my version of, you know, five years of being in Bitcoin, all the people I've talked to, all the stuff I've learned, all the questions people have asked me, um, all the misconceptions I've learned and heard, just try to distill that into 10 minutes and just, you know, put it out there. And I send that video to anyone who asked me about Bitcoin and heard a lot of people tell me that that is their go to video to send to people, which I, I'm very honored to hear that by some people. But yeah, it's my my. Uh, you know, my five years of everything I've learned put into that video. And uh, lastly, I I have a online shop. It's called 21 Million Co. You can find it at 21million.co. Um, I have this hat, 21 million, just hodl. Uh, some of your viewers might be familiar with the stamp. Bitcoin is better. It's been circulating on, uh, on lots of bills throughout the world. Um, we got this Yeti Bitcoin. Just try to spread the word of Bitcoin. Just try to get Bitcoin out there uh, in as many places as possible, trying to, you know, initiate conversations. Um, you know, a lot of people have seen this hat. They didn't even know it was related to Bitcoin. They asked what 21 million is. And then all of a sudden I'm in a conversation talking about hard money and, and Bitcoin. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been doing. All right. All both these dudes are linked to below. Bob, you made a great debut on the show. Really, thanks for for coming on. Also, I linked to nobody uh, caribou uh, below that BTC Sessions was talking about. One of the big guys behind funding uh, funding this uh, the Canadian movement that we were talking about beforehand, and who is you know going through some legal issues. So you can uh, go to his Twitter and, and find out how to support him. So uh, yeah, these these two dudes are definitely in motion. Okay. Uh, BTC sessions. We'll, we'll end it with you. Uh, what do you want to say? Uh, final uh, thoughts? Uh, any news you want to share? Uh, 
you know, what, what are you up to these days? Yeah, man. Um, like nothing specific. Like I, I'm, I'm doing the show as normal. I'm pumping out a new tutorial every Monday. I'm, uh, you know, I still do my news shows on Thursdays and then the, why are we bullish panels on Fridays and doing those all the way through. Uh, if, I will say if you're going to Miami for Bitcoin 2022, I think what I'm going to do is a giant uh, why are you bullish show, um, which will be pieced together after the fact. But I'll, I'll be tweeting out a location that I'm at uh, and I'll just be there with a the camera. And if you have a reason why you're bullish, come find me in that specific location and you'll get your chance to rant about why you are specifically bullish and I'll make a super cut of that and I'll, I'll stick that up on, uh, on my YouTube account afterwards. So yeah, keep an eye out on Twitter for that. Well, I, I'll definitely run into you. Well, I don't want to say definitely because there'll be 30,000 people, but I always wrote, no matter what, last year was great seeing you on that, on that yeah, first but... day when I started screaming uh, before the conference even, even started uh, in the crowd. Uh, I, if that, I'll, I'll be the hype man again. I'm, I'm always, I'm always the hype man. All right, dudes, we, we did the show on a Wednesday. Very good. Thank you. Best freaking guest in the space. Everybody pound that like button. Uh, I would say Shabbat Shalom, but it is a Wednesday. <laughs> but have a Shabbat Shalom on Friday and Saturday, everyone. And uh, I, I will uh, see you in, in Oklahoma City. And then who knows what next week this show might be on Thursday. I don't know. Uh, who knows? But we'll have a show before Miami. I'll be, you know, really focused on Miami next time I'm on because I'm going to be in freaking Miami, my Lord. And uh, I got to do a show just about driving across the country, the, the, the crazy things I've seen. And I'm in Lafayette, Louisiana right now for all those uh, that are wondering. It's always the first thing that's listed below my location. So everyone who watched the show, retweet it. Thanks a lot. Pound that like button. I'm Adam Meister, Bitcoin Meister, Disrupt Meister. Uh, I will see you soon. Uh, thank you, everybody. And that's it. Let me uh, log off.